Hello. Welcome back. Got to fix that mic. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome back. So this here, um, I don't know, depending on how long, I hope it won't be too long. Decided to do a recording because with the live stream, obviously Star Wars Celebration is going on right now. And it didn't make any sense for me to do a live stream. Um, too many people are watching. <laughs> and I know for me, I am currently looking at it right now myself. So I've created a couple of shorts. Uh, and it looks like, John, no, it looks like the guy who played some Palpatine is on right now. So, and they just showed, the first thing that they showed was the Andor trailer. So I did a few shorts on the YouTube. Um, so go check those out. Um, one was like just watching a little, you know, doing a little trailer reaction. And then the others is just for Star Wars Celebration. And I have also finished reading Leia uh, by Claudia Gray. So I'll be reading um, The Lost Stars next. And I think after The Lost Stars, I think I'm going to just go ahead and read um, Brotherhood by Mike Chen. Um, only because I think I just, I want to get that out the way and try to fit it into one of my um, book months. So I will actually be taking a break from doing the book reviews. And I know I said I would do the comic book reviews, but now with diligent research, <laughs> Because I, the reason why I was just doing the videos is just to try to figure out the template that I wanted to use to do the book reviews and comic book reviews a little bit more thoroughly and to make sure that I'm getting, I'm given the attention that it deserves, um, especially for comic books. Because I really think like comic books they don't get the attention that they deserve. And we really need to change that. So I finally found um, templates and I'm going to, you know, hopefully try to make them into my own a little bit, try to add a little bit of something. And, you know, after we're done with the Obi-Wan series, I'm going to come back and then start it up again. So preferably July. I'm going to try to stick with that July. So hopefully I can do start it up in July, considering that I will be way ahead and done with, um, you know, with Claudia Gray's books and then get into the comic books and everything. So I'm really going to try very hard because I really, 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 really want to do this right for um, the book club, for the Resistance Book Club. And that's like my passion project. So I really, really, really want to get get so well at it. Um, so yeah, so I'll be taking a break. I will be doing the 
episode reviews of each of the episodes and um, any books that I finished or currently reading. If I have time to do a short, I'm just going to do a short or a reel, um, but mainly probably shorts. And then I'll just upload them onto the YouTube. And so if you can, please head over to YouTube. It's under Kita's Black Alliance. And uh, just like, subscribe. It will help, especially for the Resistance um, Book Club, um, if that's your jam. And hopefully, you know, I'll be able to make this book club a little bit better than what it is. And as far as like the tea across, across the galaxy, I definitely want to make that a thing and make that also bigger. So I am um, trying, I'm going to change that format a little bit so that way I can highlight and celebrate uh, people of color that are in Star Wars or is currently in Star Wars or have been in Star Wars for many years. So that part, I definitely have everything together by then, hopefully by July. But if if not, I will keep you posted. But just hang in there with me. I'm definitely not going anywhere. This is definitely something that I want to do and continue to do. Um, so I will still be on the platforms of Twitch, uh, YouTube. Um, I do have a Facebook page. And I also have Twitter. Um, the Twitter is... She was Journey, um, and the Facebook page is Kita's Black Alliance, and the YouTube, of course, like I said before, is Kita's Black Alliance, and that is it. You know, on Zippy Stream, I'm on Zippy Stream. If you are on there, hey to all the listeners there. I am on Apple, um, and Spotify, and Spotify, Spotify, and Anchor, they do the same thing, um. But they have changed it up a little bit to where you can actually watch the videos. So, like, this video here will can be seen on Spotify if you are a Spotify listener or prefer Spotify. But, yeah, YouTube, that's where I'm at. That's why I wanted to do all of this is to be on YouTube. But also just, you know, I love reading, so I, I wanted to get into that that mindset and try to create this whole community for people of color or and just and women you know um so definitely um so for this episode like I said I am looking back and forth between the Star Wars celebration so day one and of course tomorrow is the Obi-Wan uh episodes one and two of the limited series i cannot wait i can't wait their whole promotional tour and everything has been awesome um aiden christensen looked like he is having the absolute best time in the world i am so happy for him um and even hugh and mcgregor and and Moses Ingram, like 
you know, she's in there. Come on, we got to put some respect on that. Oh, my God. She's like the only black woman that's in there, you know, along with them. It's so amazing. It's really amazing. So I really have wanted to talk about the Vanity Fair article. And the reason being is because this article isn't like, you talking about put some respect? Hold on. Like we gotta, let me see if I can get this up. It's always something. Like kill the ads, please. Just look at that. Oh my God. Ugh. Ugh. If you don't know what I'm looking at, I'm looking at the cover. This cover is absolutely amazing. For the first time, we have Latinas. Like the whole Latin X minus Hugh and McGregor. <laughs> so we'll give him a pass. But just look, all three of them Rosario Dawson, Pedro Pascal, and is it Gabriel Luna? Gabriel Luna. Because um, I keep thinking of Diego Luna. I hope I have that name right. I'm thinking, oh, it is Diego. Sorry. Gabriel Luna is the former ghostwriter from uh, Agents of Chill, which was actually really good with him in it as being um ghostwriter. I thought that was my favorite. Um, Diego Luna. And I love Diego Luna in um, Narcos, the Mexico one. Oh, my God. He was so good in it. Um, but anyway... But yeah, just look like that is effing amazing. You have to put respect on that. An Afro-Latina and two Latino men. Oh my God. So we get down here. And I love this part. <laughs> um, so Diego Luna couldn't trust the driver. He didn't think he could trust anybody. And hadn't he read something about an epidemic of eardroppers hacking phones? That was just my paranoia, the actor says now. Not connected to reality. Still, he pressed his phone so tightly to his ear that it made his face hot. As a voice from thousands of miles away told him secrets from another galaxy. The car struck was stuck in traffic on on the top tier of a double-decker highway in Mexico City. I was speaking in code words because I was trying not to say too much in the car, says Luna. The words he was avoiding most strenuously were star and wars. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, kudos to the um, journalist. Let me just go ahead and say that by Anthony Rez Reznikin. And the photography was by Annie Lebovitz. I know Annie Lebovitz does a lot of the Vanity Fair 
um, pictures. So I am actually, I'm pretty sure I've seen him, uh, read some stuff by him, by Anthony. So after that, Luna had played the Dauntless Rebel Spy, Cassie and Andor, in a 2016 film, Rogue One. Now on the other end of the phone was Tony Gilroy, who had punched up the movie script for reshoots, which is not surprising. Gilroy, whose credits include writing the first four Born thrillers and writing and directing Michael Clayton, was developing a series that would explore Andor's backstory, revealing what drew him into the Galactic Rebellion and how he evolved from a self-serving nihilist. I love that. Into a self, into a selfless martyr. Luna's call with Gilroy the first time he heard the full plan for the Andor story happened more than three years ago. One thing I remember from being part of this since day one is how little you can share of what happens. The actor says, I have kids, man. It's painful for them and for me. I agree. <laughs> I don't know. It, would, it wouldn't have pained me. I would, it would have just been like, it would have been more of a funny thing of just being able to just hold that secret. Like, mm-hmm. no, mommy ain't doing nothing. Don't worry about it. What you got? You got school? Okay. Well, let's just go ahead and focus on that. So, yeah, it's, but it is cute though. It's cool. I know. It's like when you have this, this secret of something that you're so, such a fan of and <laughs> want to share it so bad it's like oh my god i just need to say but my kids you know they they need to know Nah, they don't need to know they just wait until they see you on the screen but um and but then again it's like oh daddy you didn't tell us you kept that from us you lied no and then lie just didn't say anything <laughs> so but yeah i just thought that was cute um then we have the pictures with on my left is uh, Darth Vader, uh, Reva, and Obi-Wan, obviously for the Obi-Wan series. And then on the right, we have Mon Mothma, that's being played by Genevieve O'Reilly, um, Cassian Andor, obviously by D- Diego Luna, Din Djarin, Pedro Pascal, and Ahsoka Tano, played by Rosario Dawson. So apparently, like, this is definitely, I love the pictures, though. I love the pictures. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> Annie did a good job. I'm just looking. I love it. I love it. It just seems so different now. Because the way... The way that it's, um, you know, the way that these pictures are set up and everything, I don't know, it just feels, it just feels different. You know, it's not, I guess because of the diversity of it and where we are right now, it's so beautiful. It's like, it's so fascinating just to see that we've come this far to actually getting a black woman <laughs> on the cover as well as a whole Latin X of 
of actors. So, yeah, I'm just so fascinated by it. It's just, it's amazing. Uh, you know, I can't believe that we've come this far. It's really beautiful. Um, let's go down. So George Lucas himself had attempted and abandoned a live-action Star Wars series called Underworld before he sold Lucasfilm to the Walt Disney Company in 2012. Okay. The Mandalorian we know now became a global phenomenon, which only raised expectations. This winter, the Book of Boba Fett delivered a redemption story nearly four decades after the title character's apparent demise in Return of the Jedi. Now with 130 million subscribers waiting, Disney has upped its demand to three separate Star Wars shows within a year. For this story, Lucasfilm has lifted the secrecy surrounding its TV universe and how it formed, as universes do, under Im- immense pressure. See, that's something to be said because of... Let's talk about that. Um... You know, because of how the movies have fared out, the trilogies, it didn't do so hot. It didn't do so hot. But then all of a sudden, the TV shows, and I think what had made it hot with the TV shows is that you had a whole new character, a whole new set of characters with only, you know, with Ahsoka Tano um, coming in live action bo katan coming in live action just so you know like just maybe like what 20 30 minutes ago um katie sackoff was sitting down talking um yeah ian mcdermott that's uh the palpatine guy okay so they're still talking okay um and you know because we had a whole new character in the universe and just to see the the father child dynamic between Din Djarin and Grogu that did something for a lot of people and you know even for us the ones that are at in our 30s and 40s and we see the whole father's father son dynamic or father child dynamic you know, it does something to us. It it puts us in a place. It puts us in a re- a time of where we were, you know, when we first loved Star Wars. Maybe it was with your own parent. Or it just could be that it just hits you different because, you know, now you're a parent. Um, you know, I know it hit me different, you know, because now I'm a parent. I can, I see it differently now. Um... And then you have, then you had, you know, recently the book of Boba Fett. Again, I love the first couple of episodes or just like certain episodes of the Boba Fett, mainly the ones with the Tusken Raiders. I did enjoy the, the finale episode. I wasn't really too happy because it was like, oh, we, why? You know, for certain things, I was like, why? Um, I don't want to spoil it, but 
I think you clearly understand which character I was like. No. Why, loser? No. Why would you do that? You know, it's just, oh, God. That thing really pissed me off. So, but because we have these shows, and it's just like with the Marvel shows, you have these shows that kind of bridge the gap with the movies, and that is so awesome. But not only that, you're able to flush out the characters, and you're able to flush out the plot. And I will still say, even with the anim- animated series, Rebels is definitely still number one for me. But then I had to think about it because I had just rewatched Clone Wars final season. And uh, that season still hit. That season still hit. That season was bomb, man. Like, it was fire. Fire. I don't know if I can, like, rate both of them. Because Clone Wars, it was the season. So it was just that one season. Rebels, it was just, it was a a collection of seasons. I think they're in their own bubble. I can't I can't rate them. Um but they did a really good job bridging the gap. You know, what happened in the Clone Wars and what happened um bridging the gap with the prequel trilogy to to the Clone Wars. With Rebels, again, you created a whole new set of characters and it hit I think for a lot of us even though you know the Skywalker saga you know we still hold a place in our heart for it but I for one I love when I see new characters I love it so for me I prefer to see new characters but if you really have to add a Skywalker in it, it has to flow. Like, it has to make sense. So, like, when Luke came in, you know, for Mandalorian and in the, um, the book of Boba Fett, it made sense. I don't know about the book of Boba Fett, but it made sense only because of Grogu in it. So, it made sense because Grogu was in it and he was with him. Um, so I just think like having the TV shows, the TV universe will help make us fall in love with, uh, you know, with, um, the trilogies again, even for, you know, the force, the force awaken trilogy, you know, that the newer trilogy. That was the um, cover shoot. I didn't want to put it on too long. Because in that, they might just end up taking that off. So, yeah. I, that that definitely, you know, hits differently. Hold on for a minute. Let me just see. Okay. He's still talking. Um, Not for nothing. I'm okay. Like, if he's, if Palpatine is in um, Kenobi, 
It makes sense. You know. I wonder if they will like interverse the whole Darth Vader comics parts of it into the Kenobi. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so the next part of the article, let me see if it's First up is Ewan McGregor's return to his role as the weary Jedi Master in Exile. Obi-Wan Kenobi debuts May 27, tracking the character 10 years into his time on the desert world of Tatooine, which he, where he serves as a distant guardian to young Luke Skywalker and is hunted by a dark side inquisitor named Reba. Lay by Moses. Oh, that's where. Okay. Because I'm like, I know I've seen her from somewhere. Okay. So from Queen's Gambit. Love the series. I heard that they having a season two. Uh, so Luna's Spy Saga Andor hit screen late this summer. Season three of The Mandalorian reuniting Pedro Pascal's helmeted gunfighter with his little green ward, you know who, drops in the late 2022 or early 2023. I'm going to still say in December. I really am. I'm going to say in December. Probably like around the same time that... um. Book of Boba Fett had premiered. And then next year, Rosario Dawson will lead the series Ahsoka, playing a live-action version of the fan-favorite Force Wilder from Animation, who was once an apprentice to Anakin Skywalker. Slightly further off is the Acolyte, with the tale set about a century before the era of Skywalkers. I am actually so intrigued with the acolyte more than anything i am happy that we're getting these shows but i am more excited about the acolyte only because i I still don't know we still don't know and so hopefully in during this celebration there might be um a little bit of something on here uh on this celebration that they'll you know explain a little bit further maybe they have some concept art something so then, oh, I think this is the part that everybody was talking about. So my partner, Mary, is doing that Star Wars series with with Rosario, and she's about to start. So that's Ewan um, talking about Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who they just had a baby, and I think they got married, too. I'm not too sure. He says partner. Maybe they're just only partners. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. Um, or maybe not because they pretty much private, but now they don't have to, uh, hadn't previously confirmed rumors. Oh, so Lucasfilm hadn't previously confirmed the rumors, but <laughs> they don't have to. Yeah. I mean, that's your woman. So it's going to come out like fluidly. It's, it's not Ewan's fault. Cause at the end of the day, like. They've been together for a couple of years. So, you know, I think that's with any couple. If you just sit down and you just start talking, you just end up fluently just saying something about your significant other without even thinking about it. And he probably thought about it afterwards and was like, I should have never said nothing, but it's already too late. All right, whatever. But I don't think they're going to, um, I don't think he got in trouble for it. Because at the end of the day, like, that's his woman. So anybody who's who's in a relationship or been married, you know, 
is you're going to fluently say something. Just it just happens. That's all. It just happens. So I I don't think they got mad at that. Um and his and he says our little boy has been born into this massive Star Wars family. He sure did. Uh oh, was born last summer. He will either embrace it or really go the other way. I don't know. Maybe he'll be a Trekkie. Oh, a Star Trek fan. That's cute. Yeah, because sometimes it's like that in the family. We do have some that are Star Wars fans and some that are Star Trek fans. I'm a, I would have to say I was a Star Trek fan for a long while. Like right now, I'm, I've, I love Discovery. Um, and I don't love the whole thing. There are certain parts in there that I love. But either way, I still watch it because I I definitely was a Star Trek fan. Still am to this day. <laughs> um, and Picard, I watched that even though I swear it's like certain things are so nostalgia heavy. And you cannot say that. I'm going to just bring it back. You cannot say that Force Awakens isn't nostalgia heavy. It is nostalgia heavy. I couldn't take it with that. Um, it's the same thing with Picard. Like I couldn't take it with Picard, but um, I just watch it because, like, it's Patrick Stewart. You know what I mean? Like, are you really gonna say no? <laughs> like, I'm gonna watch him. You know, it's Picard. Like, you gotta watch it. So I, I totally get it. Um, and Strange Worlds. Um, so I'm watching that one right now. So, yeah, like I'm still a Star Trek fan. So, like I said, when I came into Star Wars, like it wasn't wasn't from the movies because I, I did watch the movies. I just wasn't a fan. And then it wasn't until the um, it wasn't until I read A New Dawn that. I really got into it, which is a uh, Rebels book. And that's how I got into it. So, but yeah, you you will have fans in the family that are like, you know, Star Trek fans, Star Wars fans. It's the same thing as a New Yorker where you have families that are Yankee fans and Met fans. I know I will get flat, but it's okay. Yes, my family, we were definitely separated. It's me and my grandmother and my uncle. We were met. We're met fans, and the other half was Yankee fans. So yes, it was. It was one of those. One of those, and you can only imagine what the subway series was like. <laughs> this is so crazy. Um, but moving on. So part of this is just because I did read some of it. Part of it is just um them talking about the about the series. So this here was just talking about the Andor. Um, we have to remember is looking at, oh, when Luna, so in the mid-2019 when Luna, oh, I thought this was cute. So when Luna was recruited for Andor, the actor remembers looking out the car window at the rooftop of the adjacent buildings, visualizing a tale about resistance-minded spies and their death escapes. He was especially glad that Gilroy's proposal included details that resonated personally. Luna describes Andor as a refugee story with desperate people fleeing the empire at the full force of its power. 
Caramel Macchiato. Cold. It's the journey of a migrant. That feeling of having to move is behind this story, very profoundly and very strong. That shapes you, shapes you as a person. It defines you in many ways and what you are willing to do. So Gilroy breathes deep and reveals a little more about Andor. This guy gave his life for the galaxy, right? I mean, he consciously, soberly, without vanity or recognition, sacrificed himself. Who does that, he asks. That's what this first season is about. It's about him being really, really revolution adverse and cynical and lost and kind of a mess. The story begins with the destruction of Andor's birth world, then follows him into adulthood when he realizes he can't run forever. His adopted home will become the base of our whole first season, and we watch that place become radicalized. Then we see another planet that's completely taken apart in a colonial kind of way. The empire is expanding rapidly. They're wiping out anybody who's in their way. By journeys in, Andor's path will be blocked to theirs. Will be, will be to block theirs. I love that Luna takes his own personal story, which is, I do believe that from what I've from what I've read, I do believe that he is, or his family, Mexican immigrants or migrants. Um, so he's using that journey to tap into this character. Perfect. Perfect. That means you're going to, it's nothing more. You're going to get like the raw acting of it. And it's almost in that same sense. You know, what does it do? Like, you read the stuff in the Star Wars or you see, watching on on the movies, and you see that, you know, people like uh, um, on Coruscant or Alderanian people, you know, when they lost their homes and everything, they became refugees so they had to find another place to live or you know had to find a way to survive so you can always connect that to the real world real world because there were so many immigrants all over the country uh, whether you were you know latinx or um uh uh black you know, different types of blacks that migrated to different areas in the in the countries and had to survive. And sometimes you will get the best acting because you already been through that. You know what that was like. Um, that's why it's so easy to kind of tap into into that life, you know, to um to get the best acting, you know, with when the script calls for something that is familiar to you, if you understand what I mean. Uh, so the show also focuses on an enigmatic rebel leader, Mon Mothma, played by Genevieve O'Reilly, who portrayed her as a young senator in Revenge of the Sith and reprised the role in Rogue One. Uh, Mothma, then played by Caroline Black 
Blackinson was the priestess life figure in 1983's Return of the Jedi, who outlines weaknesses in a new Death Star, gravely intoning many Bothans died to bring us this information. And, and or her story will run parallel to the title character, whom we know will eventually become one of her key agents. It is huge. It's a huge orchestral Dickinsonian ensemble cast. Yeah, I agree. Um, meaning that the ensemble of it all, it will make sense because it's like a flow of each person definitely has a role. So when you have that, the the orchestral or the song that is played, it flows through each one of them and the roles of what they have to do in their rebellion will come together. So the ensemble cast is, yeah, is a Dickinsonian. I agree. I agree with that. Um, hold on for a minute. Okay, he's still going. Okay. I'll keep on going. Gives me more time to just go through this. So Luna remembers the conversation in the car as a moment he was all in. At the end, Gilroy said to me, you want to take this risk with me, man? It's you and I from the beginning to the end. It was like, you've been recruited to join a rebel force. I was like, yes, of course, man. Yes. And reality set in. What did I just say? This was, this will be happening in London. My life is in Mexico. Holy shit. What have I done? I love it. It's like, okay, wait, I gotta go. Now I miss, hey, listen, if you're the breadwinner, honey, they be fine. (laughs) What's unique about, so, oh, it's the thing that binds all the new shows, devotion. What's unique about Star Wars is what we're, is that we're one story, basically. Uh, Says uh, Kathleen Kennedy. George was always dealing with the dealing with episodes. Ironically, he was serializing his storytelling. He was influenced by Flash Gordon, yes, which we all know, and cliffhangers on Saturdays at movie theaters. All of that inform what the DNA of Star Wars is, which is why I think it's just organic that we made the transition into television. Um. Okay, hold on. I almost had something to say. The transition was not an obvious pivot for an empire built on movies. When she took over Lucasfilm in 2012, Kennedy's primary goal was to rejuvenate Star Wars with a new era of films. After a trilogy of prequels that underwhelmed many fans, few producers was better poised to do that, given her legacy of crowd pleasers ranging from E.T. to Back to the Future in a sixth sense. By the end of 2015, Han, and Luke were back on the big screen in J.J.'s The Force Awakens, which introduced the desert scavenger Rey, the redemption seeking stormtrooper Finn, and the X-wing hotshot Poe Dameron, and the brooding Sith wannabe Kylo Ren. Sith wannabe. Yeah, Ryan Johnson's sequel, 2017's The Last Jedi, continued the Skywalker saga as it 
came to be known but veered sharply from Abrams' vision and seemed to close off some central storylines. Abrams' U-turn back when he returned for 2019's final chapter, Rise of Skywalker taking over episode, what is it, nine? Late in development. The movies all earn billions, but the zigzag narrative was, yeah, it was. Even though I still like The Last Jedi, yeah, it did kind of deviate from, it didn't bridge the gap. So because it didn't bridge the gap, it seemed like out of place in the trilogy. But not for nothing, like The Rise of Skywalker. Oh my God. What's that meme again? Oh my God. Boo, tomato, tomato, tomato. Like, really? Oh my God. I still can't get over that. Oh Lord. I will. <sighs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna end up rewatching it again, but I know I ain't gonna be happy watching that stupid thing again. That thing is, oh my god, it's so annoying. But anyway, with um Kathleen Kennedy, yes, George was dealing dealing with the episodes, but honey, when where? Hmm, when did you thought it was an obvious decision or organic that? transition to television I don't know about that because when did when did you decide I don't know Uh, mm. okay I agree with the next part where where he says the transition was not an obvious pivot considering it was built on movies but I think it was more than that um, um, I don't know about that, but okay, if you feel that way, I can see we're going to get some back and forth with her. All this led to the hiatus of Fallow's spot in the Star Wars film landscape that Kennedy announced in early 2019. Yeah. Lucasfilm, you needed to regroup and rethink. We all recognize, every single one of us, that this was a new chapter for the company and that we needed to all work together to create the architecture for where we were going. And on top of that, in fact, like, let's keep the buck, you know. When John Boyega was talking about it, he was mad serious about it. He's like, no, like, are y'all gonna have like a whole storyline for Ray? But y'all didn't know what to do with my, you know, do with his character. Didn't know what to do with. I think they knew what to do with uh, Oscar Isaac's character. It just didn't. None of the other characters in there panned out the way their past was supposed to go, and it was just so wishy washy. And I think, like, at that point, Oscar Isaac and John Boyega was just like, all right, like, we're done. And then all of them were like, we're done. We don't want to, we don't want to come back for any of this. And rightfully so, it's like, dude, y'all, y'all, like, botched this whole trilogy. You botched that trilogy. 
Oh my God. Terrible. Terrible, terrible. Okay, he's still going. Okay. Um. Oh, and then on top of that, what I do want to say is that when Rogue One came out, and even though there was like all this controversy with the reshoots and all this other stuff, um, scripts were being changed and everything, that movie was still good. And you want to know why that movie was good? Because it introduced a whole new set of characters again. Introduced a whole new set of characters. Solo. I did rewatch Solo. And I still, I don't think that movie was bad at all. And I still love Donald Glover in it. I don't think anybody had a problem with Donald Glover. I think it was more they had an issue with the guy who plays Solo. I didn't think that he was all that bad. I mean, he was a little different than what, than I think what Harrison Ford would have portrayed. But then when I was looking at um, A New Hope, and then I was like, nah, not really. Nah, he did play it right. Like, he did play it the way that I think Harrison Ford would have played it. If he was at that age. Um, again. But those two movies, as a standalone, they were a lot better than the newer trilogy, which I think that's what they were saying in this one. So let me see. The most important lesson they learned was that Star Wars required a greater degree of professional devotion from filmmakers. Anyone who comes into to the Star Wars universe needs to know that it is a three, four, five year commitment. That's what it takes. You can't step in for a year and shoot something and then walk away. It requires that kind of nurturing. Wait, what? Getting something appropriately cosmic prep for their streaming services launch became Disney's highest priority. It had a feel as big as the film, so Kennedy turned to a filmmaker. Um, anyone who comes into the Star Wars universe needs to know it's a three, four, five year commitment. So you mean to tell me like if they shoot something? If they shoot a movie, all right, let's take um let's take Ryan Johnson for a minute. So you mean to tell me that Ryan Johnson had to commit to three, four, five year commitment. I'm gonna say five year because it seemed like she was trying to hint like, nah, they need to be on it for five years. She was just trying to be coy. Um so say like if he did The Last Jedi, right, which he did, you mean to tell me that he couldn't go and do his own movie, like an independent movie, and then come back? Because independent movies don't really take that long. And sometimes you kind of need to need to have that headspace to get out of something and to come back into it with a fresh face and everything. Let me see. Who did anybody do that? I know, wait, Favreau did do that. 
Oh, no, 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 no. He only did one. So he only did Iron Man and then he did Chef. But then anywhere after that, I mean, right, because he was just acting. But he came back for the acting. So we're saying, like, is this for anybody? Yeah, she's saying anyone. I don't know. Because even with the Marvel actors, they were still able to do independent films or whatever type of films that they wanted to do, TV shows and blah, 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 and then came back whenever they was needed. Now, if she is talking about, I'm going to take it a step further because we still don't know anything about what is going on with uh with um Donald Glover the Lando show right so let's use that as an example 3 4 5 year contract see this is the reason why i have a feeling that part of it was that and y'all messed up y'all messed up it wasn't Donald Glover. You should have known that from day one, honey. He already didn't look like he was committed to sticking with Atlanta. I mean, could you or could you not have seen that? Look how many years it took for him to come back to even do do the second season, third season. And then this here is the final season because you know he said he was done and then wanting to move on to do something else. Y'all did that. That was not him. He came in. He really, I promise you, I promise you, he thought, oh, y'all just want me to play Lando? Oh, okay. For this movie? Not a problem. And he did. Did he not deliver? He delivered. Was it his fault that the, that the, the fans would enjoy him so much that, you know, oh man, is you know, we really need to see him again. No. But he didn't say that he was committed to doing something else. Y'all wanted him to do the show. But if it ain't fitting into his lifestyle, then I don't know what to tell you. That was your fault. That is not his fault. You knew what it was when you brought him on there. You cannot get mad. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He signed on the dotted line and said, okay, I'm going to play Lando and Solo. That was it. Now, if y'all went to him and said, hey, we really want you to do the show. Oh, okay. And I promise you, I, I would swear he seemed like that type of person. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just let me think about it. You know, I'll see what see what we can do. And in the end, he was like, well, you know, that's not what I'm feeling right now. Did he sign on the dotted line to do Lando, though? The show? Because I'm pretty sure he probably saw that. <laughs> saw that three, four, five-year commitment contract and was probably like nah mm -mm, I can't do that 
I know you couldn't do that. I knew you couldn't do that since day one. Should have just left it alone. Y'all went ahead and jumped the gun. And that's what it is, you know. So don't get mad, (laughs) Miss Kathleen Kennedy. You got mad because he went ahead and said, nah, that's not for me right now. What do you want him to do? He didn't sign anywhere to say that he was going to be doing this. So, all right, moving on. I see where you was getting at, Miss Kennedy. Mm-hmm. So then with the John Favreau, um, so, yeah, the Disney projects, the Jungle Book, the Lion King. I couldn't get into the Lion King live action. But obviously, Iron Man is, like, the best one. The Jungle Book, it was all right. It wasn't wasn't great. I know that John Favreau was deeply interested in Star Wars. He was the first person I went to. Not only would I have an interest, I have an idea. Plus, he was willing to meet the new criteria of hers. What's unique about John is his commitment. He had a sole focus pretty much on this for the last several years. That's been a godsend. No, it's just because Favreau just needs something else to do. And he was like, hell yeah, it's Star Wars. Like, of course I'm a fan. I have all of these ideas. He needed something to do. At his age, of course. No, let's not sit up there and be like, oh, he was willing to meet the new criteria of Earth's child priest. If I ain't had nothing else to do, and I was pretty much done, with the Marvel Universe and done with other things, and I ain't had nothing else to do, of course I'm going to commit to something that's long-term that will keep me busy, especially at the, you know, if I'm an older older person. You know, it just keeps me busy. Stop it. All right. So by that, by the time I was officially hired, oh, I had just started writing. I had already written the first, I think, four episodes. See? Exactly. I mean, I'm not saying like Favreau wasn't busy, but he was just like, man, all right, I got something else to go ahead and hold me over. (sighs) But there was a problem. Favreau's idea was about a Mandalorian that helmeted tribal galactic warriors who frequently turned up as mercenaries or bounty hunters. The first and for a long time, the only Mandalorian in the Star Wars films was Boba Fett. And Lucasfilm planned to make him the central character in a feature film being developed by director James Mangold. That wasn't the problem, though Pharaoh would eventually pick up the Boba Fett story after Mangold moved on to another Lucasfilm property, which is the Indiana Jones 5. The problem Kennedy faced was that another esteemed creative executive, Filoni, had also devised a series focused on Mandalorians. Filoni is the colorful cowboy hat. Okay, he joined the company. I remember when I did Clone Wars, George came in and said, well, the Mandalorians are pacifists in this time period. I'm like, oh, well, that's very different than what everybody thinks they were. And he was like, well gotta remember that people are never just one thing cultures evolve and they change over time but say it again child say it again gotta remember 
that people are never just one thing. Cultures evolve and they change over time. That's right. So true. Okay, okay. Oh, wait. <laughs> Being able to channel the creator creator makes baloney indispensable at Lucasfilm. Yeah, I mean, he's like a walk-in Star Wars encyclopedia. He was a critical part of the company's new TV ventures, and Kennedy had been nurturing his filmmaking ambitions ever since her arrival. Favreau and Filoni were friendly, but... Kennedy feared a turf war might erupt. She devised a fix. I arranged a play date. What? Are they two? Arranged a play date. That's how you talk to people? All right. Certain words. <sighs> That's just me. I, you know, when I see certain, I'm like, what? Somebody said that to me. I would have been like, what, bitch? Like, am I two? I don't need a play date. Just put me in as a meeting. It's not, play date is not a meeting. What? A play. Okay. Maybe some people are okay with that, but don't talk to me like I'm a child. Um, Favreau and Filoni exchanged ideas and drawings for a Mandalorian show that could combine their ideas. They got along instantly, like gangbusters. Kennedy says, the only knowledge of Mandalorian history blended with Farrell's long gunslinger concept. Most importantly, new partners challenge each other. Farrell's idea for the child was the biggest sticking point. It gave us some pause. He and Dave debated that quite ferociously. Okay. I can see that. Oh, look at that. That's Hayden, right? Yep. Look at that. Oh my God, in like a few hours. Oh man. A few hours. <laughs> Obi Wan coming out. So cool. So the child, of course, is a pistachio who's seen Stiller who will melt the Mandalorian's icy bouncy heart. Remember, change. Heart by becoming the innocent. He must protect at all costs. Yep. Honestly, it's something I never would have done because Yoda is Yoda. Mm -hmm. Yoda's home world and backstory were never fully revealed. And Filoni wanted to protect the mystery that Lucas built around the original Jedi Master. I think people now look back and think it was like a slam dunk, but we were very cautious. The amount of measuring, especially in the first season, for how we were framing this kid took a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is just them talking about the whole Mandalorian. There were a lot of different looks that popped up, and then we got one that finally clicked. It's this drawing. The fully concept. Mm -hmm. And the child in the bulky brown onesie with the wide doe eyes. <laughs> That's him. This one. He had a kind of goofy, ugly look. We didn't want him to, want him too cute, but he still ended up being cute. Part of his charm is that you feel a little pity for the guy like Chaplin's tramp 
or Charlie Brown. Mm. Okay. Yes, and it became a huge hit. All right, let's go. Where's the rest of it? So now, okay, this is all about the light, magic, LED. Don't want to bore anybody with all of that. Um. Four years later, the volume, da 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 Oh, look at that. Dave Filoni on my left, Deborah Chow, James Favreau, and Kathleen Kennedy. That's gorgeous. The Obi-Wan. That's cool. I love that picture. These pictures came out, like, really, really, really good. I love it. Um, so it looks like that's about as much because all this is is oh wait, 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 wait. So this is McGregor. They asked me if I would want to introduce one. I've never done anything like that, but suddenly it just struck me that I really did want to. Why had his feelings changed? I don't know. I really do think it has something to do with growing up. He enjoys seeing people in sleeping bags, pulling all-nighters with his movies. Kids who've grown up with the prequels weren't as cynical as the critics. (laughs) A few reviewers had even begun to reappraise them. People loved him as Obi-Wan, which made McGregor realize that he did too. Yeah, she just, we want to know if you, oh, we want to know if it's true. You say you do it again. We want to know if you mean it, McGregor recalls. And I say, yeah, I do mean it. I would be happy to do it again. But I think that it should be a story about a broken man, a man who's lost his faith. He always has a funny line to say or always seems to be calm and is a good warrior or soldier or whatever. But to see that man come apart and see what gets him back together again, that's where we started. That's right. (laughs) So late last year, Rosario Dawson seemed to accidentally confirm a rumor with an Instagram post. I looked at my email and Star Wars was like, you might want to take that down. I'm like, man, I can't be trusted. Yeah. And when you at, <laughs> you know, we get so hyped. We get so hyped. All right. Oh, we could have had this character or feature that ship. Okay. In the fall of 2019, Chow sat in Christensen's living room, asking him to return as the most fearsome tyrant in the galaxy. Logs crackled in a fireplace. I love how they just, <laughs> they got to create the scene. A cup of herb 
lemon and ginger tea steamed in chow's cup. Stop. <laughs> Vader, she told Christensen, would add a new dimension that could ultimately reframe the way fans look at their classic duel in the original movie. From the meeting, it had been 14 years since Revenge of the Sith and after assumed his galactic glory days were done. He was happy to be wrong. This is a character that has come to define my life in so many ways. I was originally hired to play a very specific portion of this person's life. Most of my work was with Anakin, and now I get to come back and explore the character of Darth Vader. That was beautiful, the way he said that. He's right. Like, he came in to play Anakin. And then, all of a sudden, he comes back and now he's going to play Vader. Okay, so it looked like they just showing the trailer for the Obi-Wan. Let me go ahead and hurry up. So that was beautiful. And then, technically, you don't need Christensen for Vader. All you need is a mask and a hulking figure in a suit. And if you're lucky, James Earl Jones and Pierce's voice. But you do need Christensen, Christensen, sorry, sorry, to show the audience the hot-headed, compassionate, compassionate man who was lost when Anakin became Vader. A lot of a lot of my conversations with Deborah were about wanting to convey this feeling of strength, but also coupled with imprisonment. There is the power in vulnerability, and I think that's an interesting space to explore. When Chow became the showrunner, she championed a rematch between Vader and Kenobi as the Lucasfilm brain trusts Mold Weather to go that route. Vader will return, right? So for me, across the prequels, through the original trilogy, there's a love story dynamic with these two that goes through the whole thing. I felt like it was quite hard to not include the person who left Kenobi in such anguish in the series. What intrigued her was the idea that despite what Vader had become, Kenobi might still deeply, might still care deeply about him. You are right. Okay, who's this coming up? Oh, Ashley Eckstein is coming on. Uh, the girl who voices uh, Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, I don't blame her. Take all of that and keep that going. Um, series, but mm, I don't know how you could not. She says I don't think he ever will not care about him. What's special about that relationship is that they loved each other as brothers. Hey, which reminds me, if you haven't, please read Brotherhood. I will be reading Minds. I already bought it. I will be reading it soon by Mike Chen. Let's go and support. Let's read, read Brotherhood. Um... This is just like all of them. Oh, 
the Rosario. Okay. He sees me and throws the phone. Oh, shoot. Just freaked out. Wait, let me read this. It seemed pretty funny. While Luna is the kind of actor who huddles in the backseat of a car, hiding his Star Wars call from a probably oblivious driver, Rosario Dawson is the type who FaceTimes a friend's eight-year-old while in costume as alien Forsika Ahsoka, a full blue and white head tails, frame and burnt umber makeup, and white warrior markings. I call my friend Polina because her son Cosmo is a huge fan of Star Wars, knows every ship, every robot. He seems, oh, he sees me and throws the phone across the room, just freaked out. I got an ice, I've gotten ice cream with this kid. We fung out, but it was too much that this character he loves was starting to talk to him and say his name. She calls me back the next day and goes, Cosmo just walked into the room and told me he's ready now. <laughs> I said, well, that's very sweet, but I am no longer in costume. His moment is missed. She shrugs. That will be a life, life lesson for him moving forward. <laughs> That was cute. <laughs> um, so Dawson has the same enthusiasm for Star Wars as Cosmo. Her casting as Ahsoka Tano, who previously was voiced by Ashley Eckstein, right now is on stage uh, talking and at the celebration. And exited only in animation was the result of a fan suggestion that Lucasfilm took seriously. Someone tweeted Dawson a piece of art depicting her as a heroine, and she responded, um, yes, please. That made its way to Filoni, who had been working with Favreau to include Ahsoka in both The Mandalorian and later The Book of Boba Fett. His ultimate goal was to give Ahsoka her own TV series. And considering that he was the one who created her. In October 2021, after Dawson had shot guest spots, she read a trade report about Christensen possibly joining her standalone show. Anakin Skywalker had been the character's mentor, and Vader's memory would understandably still haunt her. Dawson took a screenshot of the headline and opened Instagram using the character's nickname for each other from the Clone Wars as a caption. I just posted, Sky Guy, they know, see you soon, snipped. Only later did she realize that the report was just an unconfirmed rumor. Fans took her post as hard. As hard confirmation, the powers that be at Lucasfilm were distressed. I looked at my email and Star Wars was like, you might want to take that down. I'm like, man, I can't be trusted. Well, so that just kind of come, well, that kind of confirms that he will be coming in as Anakin, clearly, um, for memories, like past memories of them in the Clone Wars and whatnot. So that's cool. Aww, look at that. James Favreau and Grogu. Grogu will appear on Disney Plus 2023. Still won't confirm if Dawson had inadvertently leaked the truth about Anakin. Oh, Lord. Um, It is definitely... Okay, wait. The quest... Ahsoka has hinted at in her guest appearance on The Mandalorian and Boba Fett, hunting an Imperial Grand Admiral named Thrawn, who vanished into deep space at the conclusion of the animated Rebel series, is likely to be explored 
further, although plot details are still being tightly held, Ahsoka is a continuous story Filoni offers. It is definitely driving toward a goal in my mind as opposed to being little singular adventures. That's what I want the character to be doing, and I think that's what fans want now. They have such a relationship with her. I've only recently started to understand that all these kids that watch Clone Wars are now a lot older. They're very excited about the things they grew up with as they should be. Yeah, I think the big bad is Thrawn. I think that's going to be like the end game of end games. Um, which is cool. All right. Um, oh. The 2018 movie Solo explore Han Solo's younger years with Alden Aaron Rich, I hope I said that right, taking on the role of the smuggler originated by Harrison Ford. The film has its admirers, but it made less at the box office than any other live-action Star Wars movie. Now, I wonder if that was also because of the issues that came out about how this movie, you know, was put together. Could it be because of that whole Lord and Miller situation and being given to Ron Howard? The issues that Alden had with Lord and Miller. And what? There was a lot. Was there reshoots and stuff like that? But like heavy stuff? Or did Ron Howard just like took it and just kept on going? I think he changed changed a lot, but not so much. Um, I'm you know it could have been because of that. Like it had a little bit of stink before it came into theaters. Um, but nevertheless, like I did go to the movies to see it. There should be um, hold on. Oh, Solo's swagger may be too singular for another actor to replicate. There should be moments along the way when you learn things. Now it does seem so abundantly clear that we can't do that. <sighs> to endure Star Wars. Star Wars will need new actors, new characters, and a new era. Vaulting away from the timeline as we know it. Another upcoming series, The Acolyte, reportedly starring Amanda Stenberg, aims to do that. The show is in the casting phase, but the writing is largely complete, says showrunner Leslie Headland, co-creator of the turn looping Netflix show Russian Doll. I have not seen that. I heard it was really good, but I have not seen it. Listen, it's kind of hard to be watching a lot of these shows that are aren't made for one-year-olds, so I'm trying. <laughs> she has been planning for it for two years, mostly from the confines of her home. Her dog and cat, who peek in curiously from the background of Zoom conversations, are certainly steeped in the concept of, 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 the, oh, of the galaxy's High Republic era, she says, but casual Star Wars fans who haven't been following the recent novels and comics might still be unaware. Um, hold on. Let me talk about that solo thing first. Um, that it was hard to 
step into the shoes of Harrison Ford as Solo that they think that Alden couldn't do it. And the swagger of it. Okay, honey. Um, again, again, let's go back. Donald Glover didn't have a problem, sweetheart. Donald Glover went ahead and made the damn thing. Do you understand? There was nothing wrong with that man's swagger. He did the job. Now, if you want to go ahead and say that Alden didn't have the swagger and say, okay. But there was nothing wrong with other actors being able to replicate the same swagger that the older, um, that the other actor did previously. Donna Glover proved it. Thank you with Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams will always be the swag. Okay, but when Donald Glover came in, he came in and delivered, honey. We can't, that's not, uh-uh, that's not his fault. Y'all went ahead and picked him. And, I mean, you can go as far as, like, okay, Harrison Ford did the damn thing when he was younger. Y'all probably just couldn't find somebody, you know, to have that same you know, swag, but no, I be, I can't, we can't say that. We can't say that. We can't. Donald Glover delivered. That's why y'all wanted him to do the Lando show. See how all of that comes back to full circle? He went ahead and delivered. Billy D. Williams killed it, obviously. He had all the swag. And then Donald Glover came in, all the swag. And then some, you can't say that about all them, you know, don't say that about all of them, about all the other actors. Just stick with, you know, all them just didn't deliver. Okay. I didn't see anything wrong with it, but yeah, I can understand where the swag came from. Cause it was just like, all them don't have a swag. Yes. Harrison Ford at the time had swag. Do he have swag now? No. Cause I ain't see the swag now. You done grown up. Um, but okay. I'm just saying, we gotta keep it real. You gotta keep it real. Um, so now with the acolyte, okay. So this here is pretty good. So now instead of 150 years, we're roughly sticking with 100 years before the Phantom Menace. A lot of those characters haven't even been born yet. We're taking a look at the political and personal and spiritual things that came up in the time period that we don't know much about. My question when watching the Phantom Menace was like, well, how did things get to this point? How did we get to a point where the Sith Lord can infiltrate the Senate and none of the Jedi picked up on it? Like, what went wrong? What are the scenarios that led us to this moment? Honey, who you telling? That's what I wanted to know, too. And then on top of that, the fact that y'all even had Yoda in the High Republic all the way up until this point, And it was like, dude, how did you let that slip through your fingers? What? Yoda, you got some explaining to do, bruh. I, what? Like, you have explaining to do. 
please make make that Yoda heavy. Because we need to figure out why did it slip through Yoda when Yoda was a part of the High Republic. So he has the experience. He's the Grand Master now. You know what I mean? Like, nah. Yeah, I would ask all those. Make sure y'all figure that out. Make sure you ask Lucas <laughs> what that was. Um, so Helen describes the acolyte as a mystery thriller set in a pr- prosperous, sorry, prosperous and seemingly peaceful era when a galaxy is still sleeking, glistening. We actually use the term the Renaissance or the Age of Enlightenment. The Jedi uniforms are golden white and it almost and it's almost like they would never get dirty. They would never be a be out and about the idea is that they could have these types of uniforms because that's how little they're getting into skirmishes. Okay. And then another new series on the horizon doesn't even have a title, just a codename, Grammar Rodeo. A reference to an episode of The Simpsons. I don't watch The Simpsons, so I don't know. In which Bart and his schoolmates steal a car and run away for a week using a phony educational event as an alibi. The show takes place during the post-Return of the Jedi Reconstruction that follows the fall of the Empire the same as The Mandalorian, but it plots remains a secret. It's created and executive produced by director John Watts and writer Chris Ford, who made Spider-Man Homecoming for Marvel. A casting notice has called for four children around 11 to 12 years old. Inside Lucasfilm, the show is being direct, described as a galactic version of classic gambling coming-of-age adventure films of the 80s. Oh, that's not bad. I think that would be great. Okay. We have a roadmap. A movie for Jojo Rabbit's Taika Waititi will arrive, will likely arrive first with Rogue Squadron further off. Mm-hmm. Is it true that Marvel, no comment, is it true that Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige will produce a Star Wars film? I would love to see what movie he might come up with. But right now, no, there isn't anything specifically. Uh, Ryan has been unbelievably busy with Knives Out and the deal that he made with Netflix for multiple movies. In other words, no. I hesitate to use the word trilogies anymore because Star Wars is more, much more about persistent storytelling. Now she just needs to recruit feature filmmakers. All right. What I was so taken with is how much fun we were having. It amounted to this moment of realization. I do think a little bit of fun has gone out of making these gigantic movies. Yeah, it has. The business, the stakes, everything that's been infused in the last 10 years or so. There's a kind of spontaneous spontaneity and good time that we have to be careful to preserve and keep holding on to it better be fun yeah all right so the acolyte all right that's cool i can't wait like i really can't i'm just curious 
So it's before the Phantom Menace. Um, just out of curiosity, because I don't know nothing about the Old Republic, but clearly the Old Republic happened before. Didn't it happen before the Phantom Menace and all of that? And if so, are are we including that? Because uh, you know, Revan and everything. Because isn't one of his books the Rule of Two? So how did that come about? You know what I mean? Um, see, and that makes me want to read it because even though it's a Legends book, I feel like that's gonna become canon. And then y'all gonna be doing the video game with Revan or redoing remastered. I don't know. And that's going to have Revan in it. Something telling me that this is going to connect heavily to the Old Republic or something. I With the Acolyte. So we'll see. Um, and then that also debates as to what's going to happen in the phase two of the High Republic. Who's, you know, what? who are the people that's going to be living you know changing whatever their paths is going to be so that would be interesting so there's definitely a lot of questions now as far as this next part with the grammar rodeo the new show the code name um with uh john watts sir i'm gonna need you to go and take a heavy 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 damn vacation You just sat up there and just directed a whole Spider-Man trilogy. That is no easy feat. Then you agreed to do Fantastic Four. Then backed out. Now you have this coming up with Star Wars. Take the vacation. You need a vacation. Please take a vacation. You will burn yourself out. Now, I hear that he already backed out of that Fantastic Four, which is good. I just thought he would take a vacay after the Spider-Man. I would have said, I need a vacation. And I don't think anybody would have been mad at him for doing that. Take the vacation. Take a break. When you take the break, then come back fresh and go ahead and do Whatever it is, if you wanted to do this show here or do the movie, take the break. Now, the rest of this, Kathleen Kennedy, good luck with the filmmakers. You're going to need it. I don't know about the whole five-year commitment thing. Go ahead. Um, If it happens, it happens. Kudos to you. Um, it can happen. It's just, you got to make sure that they ain't really got nothing going on. Um, and yes, I agree with the, it really had lost its fun and good times and they need to bring that back. And I think the shows is what's bringing the fun back into filmmaking again and hopefully that will resonate to the movie screen. Take a break from the movies. That's what we're doing now. Do the shows. Let's get everybody back into loving the Star Wars again. And even the even the books. 
So, you know, that's all I can say about it. But so this here was, it was actually a really good, um, a good article. I just think some of the parts with Kathleen Kennedy was a little interesting, you know, to say the least. So let me see something. Is she still on? Oh, I think, oh shoot, I think Kathleen Kennedy was on there. Ah, I don't know. Somebody's about to come back on. Are they switching? All right. So, but other than that, it was a good article. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed the article. I just wanted to go in deep lengths because there was some stuff that were being said. And, you know, and on top of that, we have like, we have um, Latinx on the cover of Vanity Fair. So we got to put some respect on that. And um, yeah, it was pretty good. So man, Star Wars Celebration, I hope, I know everybody's watching. I am, as you can see, I was going back and forth. Um, So enjoy. If there are some trailers and stuff, I'll talk about that next week. Or I might do a couple of shorts if I have time. Um, And so next week I'll be reviewing the episodes one and two of Obi-Wan. Also, again, I'm taking a break from the book club because I finally found a template and I will get started on that. I will be currently reading The Lost Stars. So if you want to read that. So again, Bloodline, Leia, and The Lost Stars is what I'm going to be coming back to in July. That will be a whole new template. As far as like, you know, doing the videos and everything, uh, the editing and and whatnot. I'm still trying to find that part. I just wanted a good template for right now, and then hopefully by the end of the year, I have you know a good editing and everything. But right now, I got to move, <laughs> and I got to set up everything so it could be a little bit different. You know, so there's going to be um, a lot of changes. A lot of changes. So stay tuned for that. And that's it. So I hope everybody have a good week. I know I need a reset. So <laughs> for a whole week. But um, enjoy. Enjoy the episodes. Enjoy the Star Wars celebration. Be safe. Stay healthy. Um, make sure you sanitize if you guys are out there. Um, but just be safe, have fun, you know, enjoy it. Unfortunately, I can't be out there, but enjoy. And um, that's it, you know, have fun. This is the way. Peace.